Research, victim experiences and the stories we hear in our own lives tell us that sexual offending is most generally a crime of relationship, where the perpetrator and victim are known to one another. Despite significant increases in reporting over the past six years, sexual offences continue to be one of the most underreported personal crimes. You're listening to Unspeakable, a podcast brought to you by Victoria Police. Since its launch, Unspeakable has been listened to almost 100,000 times. Victoria Police's aim has been to challenge some of the key misconceptions held by the community about sexual offending and child abuse. We want victims of these crimes to know that if they come to police, they will be believed and supported through the process. This topic can be confronting to talk about and for some people difficult to listen to. In managing your well-being, we suggest only listening to unspeakable with people you feel comfortable with and giving yourself permission to pause and start again later if you need to. As further assistance, we'll provide support options at the end of the episode. Over the past decade, Victoria Police has evolved the way in which it investigates sexual crime. The introduction of Sexual Offence and Child Abuse Investigation Teams, or SOCKETS, has helped improve our response to victims. As we learnt throughout the series, socket detectives are specially trained to investigate sexual offending and child abuse by looking at the whole story. Their approach to investigating and interviewing is underpinned by the following concepts. Sexual offending is a crime of relationship. All offending begins in the mind of the offender and offenders are always the initiators and victims always the reactors. The work can be harrowing, but as we've heard from Victoria Police socket detectives throughout the series, it is also incredibly rewarding. In September this year, Victoria Police, in partnership with the Australian Institute of Family Studies, launched a resource called Challenging Misconceptions About Sexual Offending. Using 40 years of evidence-based research, it takes on 15 commonly held myths to demonstrate what the realities of these crimes are. We know that one of the most common reactions to an unwanted sexual act is to freeze and comply rather than fight back. Evidence shows that false allegations of rape and sexual offences are extremely rare and that on average it takes a victim 22 years to disclose abuse to someone and even longer to report that abuse to police. Initiatives like this intend to change the way the community views and responds to sexual offending. Unspeakable has drawn on this resource to try to facilitate a sensitive, evidence-based discussion on sexual offending for listeners. For those interested in learning more about challenging misconceptions about sexual offending, the full document and a fact sheet can be downloaded from police.vic.gov.au forward slash sexual offences publications. A significant initiative that has been pioneered in Victoria is the introduction of multidisciplinary centres, or MDCs as they are known. These centres provide a seamless, integrated response for victims of sexual offences and child abuse, all from the one building. 
Um, we co-locate um, Victoria Police Sexual Offence and Child Abuse Investigation Teams alongside Centres Against Sexual Assault, um, Child Protect child protection practitioners, we've got MDC health nurses um, and at some locations we've also got Victorian Institute of Forensic Medicine, um, Forensic Medical Officers. This is Natasha Habjan who leads the establishment and continuous improvement of multidisciplinary centres across Victoria. Multidisciplinary centres began in 2007 following a Victorian Law Reform Commission report which highlighted the barriers victim survivors faced in reporting to police, as well as the additional trauma of having to retell their story, often to numerous agencies who were disconnected from one another. At the same time, the current socket model was first being introduced to Victoria Police. The first two sites were established in Frankston and Mildura. We've um, expanded quite a bit um, over the past 10 years. So the first two sites co-located just um, our Victoria Police socket teams alongside CASA. Uh, we now have, you know, all the extra, all the additional agencies on top of that. Um, so they've expanded from team from, from centres that housed around 16 people to some of them now ha housing up to 100 people. Um, we've also more recently looked at um, ways of integrating a family violence response to within um, MDCs, acknowledging the fact that um, quite a, a large proportion of sexual offences occur in the family violence context. A further five locations have been established in Geelong, Dandenong, Morwell, Bendigo and from 2018 there'll be a site in Werribee. All agencies located within an MDC share a common goal, that victims of sexual offences are provided with every opportunity to gain the level of help they seek. The partners work together to ensure that this goal is achieved. Collaboration is a big part of the success of multidisciplinary centres. What we've found with MDCs is that um, we get people a lot people are a lot more comfortable to come forward and report to police because it's in a neutral location um, and police members aren't in uniform, they're easily accessible. We get a lot of people that just seek um, counselling support rather than wanting to report to police and what we find is in MDCs um, counsellors can talk to victims about um, whether they are ready to report to police or if they do want to report to police and they're able to call upon um, socket detectives then and there to provide victims with an options talk around um, you know what reporting to police would look like and, and the court process and all of that so we find that victims are a lot more um, inclined I guess to come forward to report to police in that type of environment. An independent evaluation of MDCs in 2009 found that victims felt valued. They experienced more privacy and anonymity due to the centres being located away from police stations. They're thoughtfully designed to provide a welcoming and safe environment. Socket detectives admit there were some early reservations about the multidisciplinary centre model. I think one of the biggest challenges was initially accepting the MDC being away from the police station. Um, personally, I didn't like the idea initially, 
but the benefits in relation to the partnerships that have been built with the support agencies far outweigh and far outweigh that and we you know we can still maintain close contact with the police station. This is Detective Senior Sergeant Ian Ricardo. His concerns were soon alleviated when he realised the benefits the model would have for victims. Um, I'm regularly over at the police station. We interview our offend all the offenders at police stations, not at the MDC, um, which eliminates the chance of offenders and victims meeting at the MDC location. Um, we're some distance away from the police station too, which you know again makes the victims feel safer in coming to the MDC. Ian says the immediacy of the support that can be provided is one of the greatest strengths of the MDC model. We have CASA, Department of Human Services, working within the building here at the MDC, whereas before we would give victims a phone number of CASA. Um, now we introduce them to CASA or CASA introduce the victims to us and it's a face-to-face -face rather than just be left with a phone number and best of luck. Morewell Multidisciplinary Centre Manager Fiona also attests to the benefits for victims of sexual offences. She explains CASA and police enjoy a strong working relationship, which is centred around their compassion for each victim and desire to provide them with the highest possible level of support. We've found the police to be very supportive regardless of what people's choices are and people um, are always surprised at that, thinking that they, you know, if they talk to the police officer they'll have to kind of um, go through with the process. So it has been about, I think, building all our reputations about what we can provide and, and really, um, you know, trauma principles of choice, safety and collaboration. Um, the MDC, to me, um, epitomises all that and is really um, evolving to be a space where it's sophisticated in the sequencing of what people need. The multidisciplinary centre model has continued to evolve over the years with the introduction of child protection practitioners, MDC health nurses and state-of-the-art forensic medical suites. We also have a, a forensic medical suite here which is used for the um, medical examination of our victims. Um, and we have the forensic medical officers travel from various locations here to meet our victims. So the examination is done on site, which and cars are, are available to assist the victims at that time as well. And again, that's one of the benefits of this model. MDCs are paving the way in victim support, creating purpose-built facilities which meet the needs of sexual offence victims has opened new opportunities for victim survivors. This was the experience of Phoebe, a young woman from regional Victoria. I remember that I was um, scared of going to police stations. If I thought about reporting what had happened to me, I definitely didn't want to go to a police station. And I didn't want to report there because of waiting in the foyer with other people. Um, I was worried about the police being in uniforms and being official. Um, also, going to the police station, you have a feeling like you've done something wrong. So I also didn't want to go there because of that. Phoebe, which isn't her real name, first heard about MDCs from her partner, who was also a social worker. After learning what had happened to Phoebe during her childhood, her partner recommended that she visit the MDC to speak with one of Kaza's counsellors. 
Um, and during one of my initial counselling sessions, my counsellor asked if I would like to report to the police. Um, and when I did, Martin came during that session because he was just just down the in the same building, and I got to meet him and get to know a little bit about him before I came to report. A strong trust was developed between Phoebe and her detective. Phoebe was assured that she was under no obligation to report to police until she was ready. A discussion between police and a victim, often referred to as an options talk, is incredibly important. It enables police to explain the reporting and investigation process to the victim before they decide to make an official report. It ensures that the choice remains with the victim and that they report when they're ready to do so. As soon as we got to the point where Phoebe was ready to speak to the police, that was a resource that was readily available. We were just down the hallway and it was something that could be done really easily and um, quickly. That's Detective Senior Constable Marty Tullett. He investigated Phoebe's case. Phoebe remembers the first time she and Marty met. The first time I met Marty, I was a little bit shocked because he didn't wear a uniform and he just came in all casual. Um, he's also been very easy to deal with throughout the reporting process, um, always keeping in contact and keeping me in the loop. Also, I never really felt uncomfortable when I was reporting um, the things that I'd experienced. Um, and I can't imagine how hard it would be to report something like this at the police station to regular police. Marty's a big advocate of multidisciplinary centres. He recognises that without this kind of facility, someone like Phoebe may never have reported to police. So one of the things that I've noticed is that everybody has strengths and weaknesses and getting to know each of those individuals in, in the agencies, and it goes both ways, we can all identify all of our strengths and weaknesses. And then when people like Phoebe come into to the building and there's investigations underway, as soon as, um, as, soon as a, a resource is needed, as soon as a resource is needed and uh, identified, then we can get that really from uh, within each agency. Phoebe describes the MDC building as warm and welcoming. I definitely would recommend reporting to the police um, at the MDC. Um, they make you feel comfortable and they're very good at their job. I also think it's very important to report sexual assault because if something isn't done about it, it can happen to somebody else. Another initiative is a pilot being run by Victoria Police and the Department of Health and Human Services, or DHHS, which aims to improve the safety of some of Victoria's most vulnerable children. It's called the Enhanced Response Model to Child Sexual Exploitation and it's a new approach aimed at protecting at-risk children and young people. The pilot commenced in June 2016 and is being run across five locations, including Brimbank, Dandenong, Epping, Ballarat and Shepparton. The pilot includes four key features. There are formal monthly meetings between DHHS and Victoria Police. At the meetings, information and intelligence is shared about vulnerable children. Those children are categorised based on their vulnerability to determine the response required. These meetings are supported by regular contact between local police and DHHS to discuss any issues which arise and require a collaborative response of a more urgent nature. Socket investigators get important intelligence 
that helps them disrupt offending and discuss ways to work more closely with these children. The investigators can then focus on the individual children. They build a relationship with them and investigate any incidents. The information exchange that takes place is really what the whole of the collaboration is about. This is Detective Senior Sergeant Craig Guy, officer in charge of the Dandenong Socket. Our information exchange within Sockets and DHS is pretty good because we all understand the protocols and so there's not really any great issues. But now we've got a situation arising where we sit down at um, care team meeting and we discuss everything that's going on in the best interest of the child. Uh, we trust each other, we're all working towards the same end um, and that's really important. It's the trust that gets built up, I guess. He says that sadly, for a whole range of reasons, these children also have a great distrust of police and that disrupting this type of offending can be difficult without the child's cooperation. So to get them to tell us about what's going on with them is a real challenge. And you need, again, the right people to do that. The only way to do that is to start from scratch and build some rapport with these children. So that was the idea behind this model, was to limit the sexual exploitation of the children, identify the best way to do that, uh, identify the persons of interest that are doing it, um, hopefully charge them or at least uh, disrupt their activities around those children. Craig explains how the theory works in practice. So they go out and they say, hi, I'm blah, 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 and often the door gets slammed in their face. But it's persistence. You just have to persist, you've got to be consistent, and you've got to be pretty ambitious about what it is you want to achieve. So they keep going back and going back. He describes a recent investigation by one of the teams. Two socket investigators had been assigned to a young girl who police suspected was being actively exploited. They made countless visits to the girl's care facility only to have the door closed on them each time until one day when something changed. The girl took a shine to one of the female investigators. They had a common interest as it turned out, which was uh, horse riding. So after about six months, this young girl was ringing the investigator saying, hey, I'm going for a riding lesson, do you want to come? So. It took, a, it took a while, but they got there, and that's how you do it. It's just, you've just got to be, you've got to persevere. You're not judging what they do, you're just saying, we're going to do everything we can to make you safe. The enhanced response model used learnings from the Cider House Task Force that exposed the organised sexual exploitation of children in state care in Melbourne's east in 2015. The investigation, which led to the arrest of 13 men, was in many ways the driving force behind the introduction of the Enhanced Response Model pilot. As with multidisciplinary centres, the Enhanced Response Model involves significant collaboration between Victoria Police and the Department of Health and Human Services. Probably the most collaborative approach I've seen us take uh, in just about anything that we've done in this, in this particular field. And because of that collaboration, uh, we're finding that we are actually getting pretty good results. Since the start of the pilot, children who were initially reluctant to report offences have become willing to disclose instances of sexual predatory behaviours committed against themselves and against their peers. In addition to such disclosures, police have laid charges against offenders for a range of crimes where a child who has been the subject of the pilot was the victim. Victoria Police makes a difference in this area in a variety of ways. Are we ready? Let's say the underpants rule together. <laughs> What's under my pants belongs only to me. The socket in Knox in Melbourne's east 
has developed a helpful local initiative around body safety awareness aimed at preschool-aged children. Detective Senior Constable Christine Robinson and Sergeant Michael Ferdinand are the minds behind this local program. You might remember Chris from episode one of Unspeakable. The kinders always have um, the fire brigade come out. Sometimes they have police officers come out and talk about road safety and, and safety in the car and wearing seatbelts. But no one's talking about body safety. So I approached the kindergarten teacher and told her the field that I work in and um, the problems that we face in our office in relation to children not, have, not being empowered to disclose um, what's happened because they don't know correct anatomical body, body part names. The teacher told her about the book My Underpants Rule, written by a former police officer and her husband. So I sat down and I, and I spoke to the children and and read them the book and it was really well received by them. We spoke about a privacy triangle so I got them to uh, make um, a triangle with their hands and and place it down in front of them and, and everything that's inside that triangle which includes their penis, vagina, testicles and also their breast area um, that that area is not to be touched by anyone else except themselves. Chris also explained to the children who their safe people might be and in which circumstances it would be okay for one of these people to touch them, for example a doctor in the case that they had a medical problem. Some children had never heard of the anatomical names for these body parts, but by the end of the lesson Chris says that every child was able to say them freely. To kids at four it just becomes part of normal language and they're not rude words. It's just like saying arm or leg and it's just part of their body and it's good to know that there's differences between uh, boys and girls, males and females. Chris had such positive feedback about the lesson from teachers and parents that she was asked to present at the other four-year-old kinder classes at the school. She was then asked to deliver the lessons at other preschools in the area. And then there was a disclosure at a kindergarten in our area and I went out and spoke to the teacher and told her what, I, what I've done at the other kindergarten and she was really interested. So I, I went out and did two presentations to those children as well. And from there it's just evolved. I, I approached Michael and said, um, again, said the idea that I had that maybe this should be presented to all kindergartens. And yeah, he was of agreeance. Because we, when we get the kids in for theirs, to give their evidence, they talk about minis, um, Front, front bums, and the, and the fence will pick up on that. And so, if a girl, if we get a girl to come in and say, "Well, he touched my vagina," it's it's black and white. So, Michael's experience as a socket detective and working with child victims made him aware of the gap in this type of education and its potential. Chris and Michael worked with their local council to gather feedback and create a lesson plan that could be used in any kindergarten. They knew that it would be impossible to get to every school in the area, so they created a video lesson plan and resource package for educators so they could then teach the material to their classes. At the moment, it's sort of the sex education starts in the primary school environment. We're taking it one step further to bring it down to kindergarten preschool level. I suppose our ultimate goal is to try and get it as early as possible to, to get the education right at the grassroots to, uh, as a preventative strategy to, to lessen the impact of any offending so the kids know what, what to do if they are inappropriately touched. 
As we've discussed in earlier episodes of Unspeakable, people who've been offended against as children often don't disclose until adulthood. Chris hopes that initiatives like this can give children the right understanding to come forward earlier and stop any future offending. It's prevention because it's behind closed doors. We are not behind the closed doors. We have to actually educate the child before something happens and they can either stop it by empowering them to be able to say no or if an offence has occurred that they can then disclose the offence and disclose it in such a way that we were able to investigate it. They were able to know what has happened to them because they know what the correct body part names are and what has happened to them. The pilot is currently being rolled out in preschools within the Knox City Council area. Unspeakable has been brought to you by Victoria Police. This is the last episode in the series. We'd like to thank all participants who helped bring this podcast to life. In particular, the victim survivors and families who chose to share their stories with us. Their brave accounts deserve to be heard. We hope they served as inspiration for listeners who may be considering disclosing or reporting sexual crime and helped others to facilitate a more sensitive, evidence-based thinking about this type of crime. While the series has ended, Victoria Police's commitment to raising awareness of sexual offending and child abuse will continue. The preventative programs covered in this episode demonstrate the organisation's dedication to reducing the number of these types of crimes. If you have been a victim of a sexual offence, please call 000 or your local police station. For additional support, CASA's confidential 24-hour sexual assault crisis line can be reached on 1800 806 292. Thanks for listening.